Godly and Jew. In a certain district, there was a monastery. In it lived a holy man named Godly, who in course of time acquired a great sum of money by selling finely woven garments. The numerous offerings of the faithful for whom he performed sacrifices. As a result, he trusted no man and kept his treasure under his arm by night and day. For there is wisdom in the proverb, money causes pain in getting, in the keeping, pain and fretting, pain in loss and pain in spending, damn the trouble never ending. Now a rogue named June, who took other people's money from them, observed the treasure under his arm and reflected, how am I to take this treasure from him? In the first place, I cannot pierce the wall of the cell, which is compactly built of solid stone, and I cannot enter the door, which is too high. I will talk to him, win his confidence, and become his disciple, for he will be in my power when I have his confidence. And as the proverb says, none lacking shrewdness flatter well, none but a lover plays the swell. No saints are found in judgment seats, no clear, straightforward speaker cheats. Having thus made up his mind, he drew near to Godly, uttered the words, Glory to Shiva. Amen. Fell flat on his face and spoke with deference. O oh, holy sir, all life is vanity. Youth slips by like a mountain torrent. The days of our life are like a fire in the chaff. The lights of the flesh are as the shadow of a cloud. Union with the sun, friend, servant, wife is but a dream. All this I discern clearly. What shall I do that I may safely cross the sea of many lives? On hearing this, Godly said respectfully, My son, blessed are you, being thus indifferent to the world in early youth, what says the proverb? It is only saints in youth that can be saints in truth. Ah, who's not a saint when ebbing passions faint? And again, first mind, then body ages, in case of holy sages. The body ages first, mind never in the worst. And as for the search to find a means of safely crossing the sea of many lives, just listen to this. A hangman with his matted hair or serve for other man through prayer to holy Shiva, changes caste, become pure Brahman at the last. Six syllables, a little prayer, a single blossom resting there, on Shiva's symbol and on earth, no further pain, no later birth. When he had listened to this, June clasped the holy man's feet and said differentially, this being so, her holy sir, pray do me the favor of imposing a vow. My son, answered Godly, I am ready to oblige you, but you must not enter my cell by night, for renunciation is recommended to ascetics, to you and to me as well. And as the proverb puts it, ascetics come to grief through greed, and kings who evil counsels heed, children throw petting, wives through wine, through wicked sons a noble line, a Brahman through unstudied books, a character through haunting crooks. A farm is ruined through neglect and friendship lacking kind respect. Love dies through absence, 
fortunes crash through naughtiness and hoarded cash through carelessness or giving rash. So after taking the vow, you must sleep in a hut of thatch at the monastery gate. Holy sir, said the other, your prescription is law of my life. I shall need it in the next world. So the sleeping arrangements being made, Godly graciously gave him initiation and granted discipleship. June, for his part, made the holy man very happy by rubbing his hands and feet, bringing writing paper and other services. Still, Godly kept his treasure under his arm. As the time passed in this manner, June reflected, Dear me, do what I will. He does not trust me, so shall I kill him with a knife in broad daylight, or give him poison, or butcher him like a beast? While he was reflecting thus, the son of a pupil of Godly's came from village bearing an invitation, and he said, Holy sir, pray come to my house for the ceremony of sacred threat. And when Godly heard this, he started with June. Now as he travelled, he came to river seeing which he took treasure under his arm, wrapped it carefully in his patched ascetic robe, worshipped the appropriate gods and said to June, June, I must step aside. Please keep careful watch of this robe and of the necessary until I return. With these words, he moved away. As soon as he was out of sight, June seized the treasure and decamped. The jackal at the ram fight. Now Godly sat down perfectly carefree, for his disciples' countless virtues has lulled his suspicions. As he rested, he saw a herd of rams and two of them fighting. These two would angrily draw apart and dash together, their slab-like foreheads crashing so that blood flowed freely. This spectacle attracted a jackal whose soul was in fetters of carnivorous desire and stood between the two lapping up the blood. When Godly observed this, he thought, Well, well, this is a dull-witted jackal. If he happens to be between just when they crash, he will certainly meet death. This inference seems inescapable to me. Now the next time, being greedy as ever to lap up the blood, the jackal did not move away, was caught between the crashing heads and was killed. Then Godly said, The jackal and the ram fight, and grieving for him started to resume his treasure. Returned in no haste, but when he failed to find June, he hurried through a ceremony of purification and examined his robe. Finding the treasure gone, he fell to the ground in a swoon, murmuring, Oh, oh, I'm raw. In a moment, he came to himself, rose again starting to scream, June, June, where did you go after cheating me? Give me the answer. With this repeated lamentation, he moved slowly on, picking up his disciples' track and muttering, and we when tricked by June, the weaver's wife. Now as he walked along, Godly spied a weaver, who with his wife was on his way to neighboring city for liquor to drink. And he called out, Look here, my good fellow, I come to you a guest, brought by the evening sun. I do not know a soul in the village. Let me receive the treatment due a guest, for the proverb says, No stranger may be turned aside who seeks your door at eventide. Nay, honor him and you shall be transmuted into deity. 
and again some straw of floor and water with kindly words beside these four are never wanting where pious folk abide and once again the sacred fires by kindly word and indra by cheer is stirred krishna by water for the feet and lord of all by things to eat on hearing this the weaver said to his wife go my dear take this guest to the house treat him hospitably give him water for the feet food and a bed and so on and stay in the house yourself i will bring plenty of wine and meat for you with this he went farther so the wife started home with godly and she showed a laughing countenance for she was a whore and a certain swain in mind indeed there is a sense in the verse when the night is dark and dark the day when the streets are mired with sticky clay when husband lingers far away the flirt becomes supremely gay the wench cares not a straw to miss the covered couch the husband's kiss the pleasant bed in a place of this she ever seeks a stolen bliss and again for a stranger man the slut will see the ruin of her family the world's reproach the jailer's key will risk a death she cannot flee then she went home offered godly a rickety cot and said my holy sir a woman friend has come from village and must speak to her i will be back directly meanwhile you stay in our house but please be careful with this she put on her best things and started to find her swan at this moment she ran into her husband clasping a jug of wine he was reeling drunk his hair was toes lead and he stumbled at every step she ran when she saw him entered the house took off her finery and appeared as usual now the weaver had seen her flee and had observed the finery and since he had previously heard the gossip that went rounds about her his heart was troubled and anger overcame him so he entered the house and said you wench you whore where are you going i have not been out since i left you what is this drunken twaddle there is a sense in the proverb after wine and fever these self same symptoms come shaking falling to the ground mad delirium and again the setting sun and drunken man are both a fiery red the sink in naked helplessness their dignity is dead when he had taken the scolding and had noticed her change of dress he said poor i have heard gossip about you for a long time today i have seen the proof i'm going to give you what you deserve so he bet her limp with a club tied her firmly to the post and fell into a drunken slumber at this juncture her friend the barber's wife learning that the weaver was asleep came in and said my dear he's waiting for you over there you know who go at once but when viewer's wife replied just see what what a fix i am in how can i go you must return and tell my adorer that i cannot possibly meet him at this moment my dear said barber's wife do not say things like that for a wench of spirit this is no way to behave as the saying goes those who earn the name of blessed so a camel like persistence when they pluck the fruit of pleasure counting neither toil nor distance and again as the other world is doubtful and as scandal misses truth when you have hooked another's lover best enjoy the fruit of youth and once again fate may rob him of his manhood 
he may handsome be or ugly yet a wench whatever it cost her entertains her lovers ugly very fine indeed said weaver's wife but tell me how i am to go when i'm tied fast and here lies my husband the brute my dear said the barber's wife he is helpless with drink and will not wake until the sun rays reach him i will set you free take your place myself but you must hurry back when you have entertained your admirer this she did and moment later the weaver rose a little mollified and said drunkenly come you nagger if you will stay at home after today and stop nagging i will set you free the barber's wife said nothing fearing that her voice would betray her even when he repeated his offers he made no answer then he became angry and cut off her nose with a sharp knife and he said woe whore now you can stay there i shall not be nice to you again so he fell asleep muttering now godly having lost his money was so tormented by hunger that he could not sleep and was a witness of all that women did presently the weaver's wife after enjoying the full delight of love with her swain came home and said to barber's wife well are you all right i hope that brute did not get up while i was gone and the barber's wife answered the rest of me is all right but i've lost my nose set me free quick before he wakes up i want to go home if not he will do something worse next time cut off ears and things so the wench freed the barber's wife took her former position and cried reproachfully oh you dreadful simpleton i'm a true wife a model of faithfulness what man is able to violate or disfigure me listen the guardian deities of the world earth heaven and that feeling mind sun moon water fire and wind both delights justice day and night discern man's conduct wrong or right so if i'm faithful wife may these gods make my nose grow again as it was before more than that if i had so much a secret desire for a strange man may they reduce me to ashes after this explosion she said to him directly look you villain by virtue of my faithfulness my nose is grown as it was before and when he took a torch and examined her he found her nose as it was originally and a great pool of blood on the floor at this he was amazed and flattered with her hundred wheedling endearments now godly had seen the whole business and he was amazed and said learn science with the gods above or imps in neither space yet women's wit will rival it how keep them in their place behold the faults with women born impurity and heartless scorn untruth and folly reckless heat excessive greediness deceit be not enslaved by women's charm nor wish them growth in power to harm their slaves of manly feelings stripped are tame pet crows whose wings are clipped honey is a woman's word poison in her breast so although you taste her lip drub her on the chest this palace filled with vice this field where sprouts suspicions crop this whirling pool of doubts this town of recklessness since aggregate this house where frauds by hundred lie in wait this basket full of riddling sham and quip or guessing which are best and bravest trip this woman this machine this nectar bane who set it here to make religion vain a bosom hard is praised a forehead low 
A fickle glance, a mumbling speech and slow, thick hips, a heart that constant tremors move, natural twist in here and twists in love, this, their virtues are pack of vices. Then let beast adore the fawn-eyed things, not men, for reasons good they laugh or weep, they trust you not, you trust they keep, your trust they keep, these graveyard arms, oh haunt them not keep kin and conduct free from spot. The lion over whose awful face falls fears the tossland mane. The elephant upon whose cheeks streams hikers glistening rain. The men of weight or courage who in books or battles gleam, in presence of their females all turn into cowards supreme. And once more, this kanja fruit, oh what was God about? is poisonous within and sweet without. In these meditations, the night dragged drearily for the holy man. Meanwhile, the go-between went home with the nose cut off and reflected. What is to be done now? How is this great deficiency to be concealed? The night during which she pondered thus, her husband spent in King's palace, practicing his trade. At the dawn he came home, and being eager to begin his striving business with townspeople, he stopped at the door and called to her, My dear, bring me my rager case once. The townspeople need my services. Hereupon an idea occurred to the noseless woman. She remained in the house, but sent him a single razor. And the barber, angry because of the entire case had not been delivered, flung the razor in, his, in her direction, gave the venture opportunity. Lifting her hands to heaven, she dashed from the house, screaming with all her might, Oh, 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 the ruffian! I was always a faithful wife. Look, he cut off my nose. Save me, save me. Hereupon, the police arrived, thrashed the barber, limp, tied him fast, took him to the court with his wife, whose nose was gone. And the judges asked him, Why did you do this ghastly thing to your wife? Then, his wits being addled by astonishment that he could give no answer, Juryman quoted law. The guilty man is terrified by the reason of his crime. His pride is gone, his powers of speaking fail. His glances rove, his face is pale. And again, the sweet appears upon his brow. He stumbles on, he knows not how. His face is pale and all he utters is much distorted, for he stutters. The culprit always may be found to shake and gaze upon the ground, observe the signs as best as you can, and shrewdly pick the guilty man. And on the other hand, the innocent is self-reliant, his speech is clear, his glance defiant, his countenance is calm and free, his indignation makes his plea. The prisoner is obviously guilty. The legal penalty for assaulting a woman is death. Let him be impaled. But Godly, seeing him led to the place of execution, went to the officers of justice and said, Gentlemen, you make a mistake in putting this wretched barber to death. His conduct has been correct. Pray, listen to these words of mine. The jackal at the ram fight, and we tricked by the tune. If the meddling friend were playing a self-defeating tune. So the officer said, How was that holy, sir? Then Godly related to them three stories complete in every detail. And they were all astonished as they listened. They set the barber free and said, Slay not a woman, Brahman child, an invalid or hermit mild. 
in case of major dereliction disfigurement is the infliction now she has lost her nose through her own act and as an additional punishment from the king let her ears be cut off when this had been done godly strengthening his spirit by two examples returned to his own monastery and that is why i say the jackal let the ram fight and rest of it well said cheek such being the case what are you and i to do and victor answered even in these circumstances i i shall have a flash of intelligence showing me how to separate lively from the king besides he has fallen into serious vice as our master rusty for mad folly stings the greatest kings who then embrace a vice but the servants care so check them there by means of learning knives into what vices are master rusty fallen asked cheek and victor replied there are seven vices in the world drink women hunting scolding dice greed cruelty these seven are the vices these however really make a single vice called attachment with seven subdivisions then cheek inquires is there only a single fundamental vice or are there others also and victor expounded there are in the world five situations fundamentally vicious and when cheek asked how are they differentiated victor continued they are called deficiency corruption attachment devastation mistaken policy to begin at the beginning the vice called deficiency means the non existence of one or the another of these king counselor people fortress treasure punitive power friends secondly when subjects whether foreign or native become restless whether individually or in mass these arises the vicious situation called corruption attachment was explained above in the words drink women hunting and the rest of it here there is a love group drink women hunting dies and a wrath group scolding and the rest a man thwarted in the love group becomes obnoxious to the wrath group the love group requires no elucidation the wrath group however threefold as already described needs some further characterization scolding is ill considered imputation of fault on the part of one bent on injuring an antagonist Cruelty means ruthless and unwarranted refinements in putting to death, imprisonment, mutilation. Greed is covetousness pushed to merciless point. These are seven subdivisions of the vice of attachment. Next, there are eight kinds of devastations by act of God, fire, water, disease, plague, panic, famine, devil rain, which is merely a name for excessive rain. This disposes of the vice called devastation. Finally there is a mistaken policy where a man makes a mistaken use of six expedients peace war change of base and treachery alliance and duplicity adopting war instead of peace or peace instead of war or making similar mistakes in regard to other expedients there have been there we have the vice of mistaken policy our master rusty has fallen into very first vice that of deficiency for he has been so captivated by lively that he pays not the smallest heed to counsel or any other of the six support of his throne he adopts rather completely a vegetarian morality so what is the use of lengthy discussion rusty must by all means be detached from lively no lamp no light how will you detach him objective g you have not the power 
My dear fellow, said Victor, there is a verse to fit the situation, namely, in cases where brute force would fail, a shrewd device may still prevail. The crow hen used a golden chain, and so the dreadful snake was slain. How was that? asked Cheek, and Victor told how the crow hen killed the black snake.